Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Danny? Hello, hello, hello. It's a short one for me today. I am <laughs> so excited to introduce our guest. Not only is he devilishly handsome, but he has a voice that instantly will transport you to some place and time. He is Brian Wheeler, former voice of the Portland Trailblazers. He's also been all around the NBA with teams like the Chicago Bulls, Sacramento Kings, the Supersonics. Brian, welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. Tara and Dan, my pleasure. Good to be with you guys. And I'm glad to see uh, uh, you both look safe and, and sound and healthy. And that's a good thing these days. I have yeah. to say, when we logged on and I heard your voice, it instantly transported me back <laughs> to uh, the years where I was, uh, my, I have three kids and they, of course, had lots of activities that they did. And I spent a huge portion of time driving all over town to soccer games and robotics tournaments and all this stuff. And your voice and the Portland Trailblazers were always on in the background. And so you're like very well known to my kids as well. <laughs> your voice that's is very, very, very nice to, to all of us. That's very nice to hear. And that's the great thing about radio. I mean, as much as uh, we all uh, try to watch uh, as much uh, sports on TV as we can, that uh, radio is very transportable. And uh, depending on where, where you are, wherever you are, it, uh, there's, a, there's a way to at least stay, stay connected uh, via radio. And hopefully that will always be the case. And, and well, on that, real quick, I just want to say, like, it, my experience was a little bit different. And I think maybe this is true for some other people who were lucky enough, like me, who went to a lot of games growing up. I didn't, I didn't listen to a ton of radio, but for me, it was solidifying the moments on the way home from games when you're on the post-game show. And I always remember flipping on the radio the second I got in the car with my dad on the way home to hear kind of like – to basically like glue those memories in on the way home. Because, you know, I grew up in Beaverton and out here in Wilsonville. It was always a little bit of a longer drive home when you're leaving the arena. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> out to the west side and it was just like that's that's what i always remember every time i hear your voice is those drive those late night drive home drives home with my dad after a game that's really nice too and i and i and i always admire the people that would say you know uh sometimes i'll turn down the sound and listen to you but but that's not as easy as it used to be i think uh, in the days when shans was doing the games uh, i think uh, I, I guess technology was different because you could turn down the sound and the radio call would be right in sync with the video that people would be seeing on TV. It's a little bit more of an effort yeah. these days to make that happen. I think, I think if you're watching an HD TV, as I understand it, it's pretty close uh, to, uh, to being right on, but there's sometimes people say, Oh, I don't care. You know, that maybe you're a little bit ahead or a little bit behind. And I said, I said, I've tried to do that. I've tried sometimes if, if I like somebody on radio better than somebody on TV, I've tried to try to turn down the sound, but if, if, if it's not in sync, it's, it's, it's kind of distracting. And so, so the people that I, I give the people a thousand, percent credit if they if they're willing to actually uh, listen to the radio call uh, despite maybe not having things totally in sync there's a guy who makes a device i don't even know if he still does but it was called sports sync radio where you could actually take take this uh, device it kind of looked like a, a little small vcr and you could uh, kind of uh, 
you know, tune into a game and you can, and, and there would be the delay, but you could slow down or speed up the, the, the radio call to make it actually in sync with the, with the TV broadcast. And, uh, I don't know why he didn't do more, uh, promoting about it. Uh, on my talk show, we gave it away a few times and people loved it. Uh, but the only place you can find it, I think is on a, a scanner site for like uh, police scanners. You ought to go on Shark Tank or something. I, I think he's really not done a very poor job of promoting the thing and marketing it. But I think for people who like, just like the radio calls sometimes because radio is more descriptive than TV is. Sometimes that's why people like it better. Uh, I think he, he would have made a lot more money than he probably has if he, uh, he marketed a little better. Cause then there's a lot of people that don't even know it exists, but, but it's kind of a neat, neat little device. And it really wasn't that expensive either. So, uh, but the people that watch and, and, and don't have the broadcast in sync. That's uh, that's real dedication, and I always appreciate it when I would hear that too. I just loved the the art of listening that you had to do in order to like picture, it. and especially like I said with my yeah. kids in the back, knowing that we were all paying attention to the same thing, and that we were all trying to you know picture in my mind, and we have like all these you know. Um, shared memories like of the, the, uh, the Brandon Roy comeback game, um, you know, driving home from Eugene, listening to that. And, you know, they were behind and we were like, okay, well they're behind, let's pull over to track down pizza and go like have some pizza. So, you know, we ended up being able to watch it in there, but like our whole thing was like, you know, after, after the soccer game is over, we're going to get in the car and we're going to get to listen to the radio. It was just really fun. Well, I, I, always, I, always, I always tell the story about my first year uh, with the team. Um, uh, Jimmy Jackson was, uh, was on, on the team for that one season. And apparently one of his friends, I don't know how close a friend, but one of his friends was Stevie Wonder. And Stevie actually came to a game and was sitting courtside, uh, kind of in the, the uh, first row, uh, same row that Paul Allen would, would be. Although I don't, I don't think Paul was there that particular game. Uh, but he had, you know, he had a little entourage with him and, and I'm sitting there kind of watching him every now and then during the game, and I'm wondering, you know, how, how is he taking in the game? Is he just kind of you know, taking in the atmosphere? Or, you know, I mean, um, I, I'm just wondering if he's really enjoying it. But then when the game ended, one of the people in his group came up to me and said, hey, uh, uh, Stevie wanted to meet you. He had a, a, a earpiece in during the game, and he really felt oh, that wow. you did a terrific job calling the game for him, and, and he was able to, to, to kind of in his own mind visualize what was happening. And so it's the one only time that I ever let Mike Rice uh, host the start of the postgame show but I couldn't pass this up, and so I, I went to the back, and uh, it was unfortunately before the days where phones had cameras, and I, I don't have any visual evidence of, of the meeting, but, uh, but it was just Stevie and I in the room, and he was, couldn't have been nicer, and, uh, and I thought to myself, well, I guess if I, can, if I can help Stevie Wonder appreciate or, or kind of uh, have a feel for how a, a game is being uh, played and, and, uh, and, and, and what the, uh, the, the impact uh, you know, is of, of what's happening, then I guess I, I must be doing a fairly good job. That's part of a pretty good test right there. Yeah, having a blind magician tell you that a magician musician tell you that you painted a picture for them of the yeah. game. I, I'm as far as like a, a ranking of power ranking of pecking right. orders. <laughs> you know, that's 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 pretty high. I say, I say, and for a guy that's uh, you know has uh, got the uh, the uh, pretty good level of skill that he has in the entertainment world, uh, I'd say oh. that was a pretty good, good uh, pretty good uh, thing to throw on a resume. I wish I wish I would have gotten the. Some, something that he could have signed to verify that they actually, uh, you know, did say this. But uh, it was uh, it was really a, an experience that uh, that I I, I I I would never forget. That's for sure. It was something something I didn't plan on, but boy, it was something certainly that was a very very nice and uh, and and an amazing experience. It really was. Did you say that was really early in your career? First year, first year in Portland. First, first year, year in Portland. Portland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you at that point 
you know, were you nervous when you call games? I mean, if I, if I, if somebody had told me that Stevie Wonder was listening to me call the game, I don't know how I could have handled that. But at that point, like, were you, do you, did, did you still get nervous years into having, you know, started this whole gig? No, I, I think, I think what helped me is that, is that, you know, I, I, um, I, from a fairly young age, uh, I wouldn't say I was necessarily a, a just a, um, an extraordinary intuitive, uh, youngster, but, but I, I, I think I could figure out fairly early on that while I could be competitive in sports, I mean, I could, I could play any sport and wouldn't embarrass myself in doing so, but I could kind of sense I'm probably not going to excel in any one sport enough to consider playing it seriously as I got older. So I thought, well, you know, what's the next, and this is like 10 or 11. So you know, you're not necessarily thinking about your ultimate future most of the time at 10 or 11, but I, I thought, well, if I can't play, I mean, what else, what else could I do that would still keep me connected to sports? And I think it was my mother at the time that said, well, you like to talk a lot. Maybe you could do something with that. And, uh, and I said, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And so I was an only child growing up. Uh, and so I would take a Nerf ball and a Nerf, Nerf hoop in my bedroom. And if I didn't have any friends over, I just, you know, and balls, my left hand, Jones had it, and my right hand, Smith had it. And I do these make-believe games and I'd have the door shut. Sometimes she'd come uh, walking down the hallway and, and she'd, uh, you know, cross, cross paths near my door and she'd say, bang on the door, stop talking to yourself. I said, I'm doing a game. And so, and so I, I'd tell my friends, we'd go out in the street, touch football or, or, you know, basketball in the, in the schoolyard. And then they'd say, hey, announce the game while we're playing. And so, so I think because I had all this really early experience in, in kind of calling play by play, however primitive it might have been at that time. I think uh, by the time, and then of course I, I came in second four times for NBA play-by-play positions full time before I got the Blazers job. Uh, oh. So I think I think I was ready to get one when I when I finally got one. So I think a lot of the nervousness that I might have felt. Now certainly I knew the magnitude of what I was walking into um, and trying to follow in the footsteps of, of Sean's, and that part probably you know made me a little more nervous than anything else. But um, but I think just just once I got behind the microphone and the and the the uh, craft of calling the game, I think, I think that 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 came fairly natural and, and easy, and I was, I was very pleased that I didn't feel that nervous about that. Well, we were supposed to ask you, you know, what you've been up to these days, but I've got, I have more questions about you being on the radio. So we can talk about what we've been up to, but like everybody's been up to the same thing, staying safe, being quarantined and watching TV. And if you want to add anything to that. (laughs) Try not to be too bored. Uh, That's that's for sure. But I'm one of the things that I always uh, loved about the games that you called was when you did like the triple letter, like, Disappointed, downhearted, and whatever. How? Where did that start? You know, that's a good question. I think it's because I, 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 I was uh, English was my best uh, uh, subject in school, and so I think um, from that standpoint, I, I like words, I like language, and so uh, I, uh, I, I just kind of liked uh, the thought of uh, you know putting something like that together. Um, I stopped doing it for a couple of years only because I was kind of advised by one of the supervisors that I had that they thought it was kind of uh, demeaning to the other team. And so I really, I said, well, I don't know. I said, I think the fans kind of like it. I think they kind of like that. They don't know when I'm going to say it or, or if, if I'm going to say it, um, I never really, I never would say it more than once a game. So, so I always would try to be, I try to time. And there were a lot of games where I never said it. I mean, there was never really the, the hot timeout, so to speak, where it was appropriate. Um, and they, then, so I, I, I did it kind of because it was, you know, I was told that it wasn't, it wasn't uh, appropriate for, and so I and and I had a lot of people come up and said, uh, "I haven't heard you say it in a while. Did I miss it?" And 
I said, no, no, I just haven't been saying. And so when I when I was able to get it back, I, I felt I felt uh, complete again in some respects. But uh, um, <laughs> there's some letters where it obviously I can't come up with the. I mean, the alliteration is supposed to uh, emphasize the other coach being frustrated, mad, uh, confused, uh, those those elements. And so there are some uh, letters that don't hard to put three words together that begin with the same letter that emphasize that. But there's some letters that you can actually do more than one set of, 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 of three. So I guess that kind of makes up for it. But uh, um, it was something that I just I just thought of doing. And and whereas Boom Shakalaga is not original, I would never claim that it is. Um, that at least was was something that was uh, original that I could that I could say was was uh, was one creation that I did have. So I so I did kind of like it and. Um, I probably wouldn't use it if I was doing a national game and I didn't have an allegiance to one team, but I think it always, especially when it was a home game and the crowd was going crazy. I think it kind of, it kind of fit those situations, especially if the Blazers had just done something really spectacular to lead up to that. And that's why I said that I felt it was something positive because the team would have to do something really productive to lead to that timeout. And then, and I said, you could probably argue that the the other coach maybe is actually feeling some of those emotions. So, um, but I didn't win the argument initially, but fortunately after a couple of seasons, I was able to bring it back and I felt uh, much better when I, when I was able to do so, but I felt kind of lost when I didn't have it. Cause I remember we'd go to commercial and I'd say, I would have, I would have used the alliteration right there. And I would, I would say to everybody else off the air, but I, I couldn't, uh, couldn't, I couldn't do it on the air, unfortunately, but, but it, it came back and, and I think hopefully it will always be a part of things going forward. When you look at the calls that you've had and with the alliterations and stuff like that, the one that stands out to me, and you know where I'm going to go with this one, the Doc Rivers bite through a <laughs> rope. Where where does that one rank for you? I love that one. Love that. That's my favorite. Yeah, it's um. I think you know because, uh, and I asked Terry Stotts about this. I, I said, did you and Doc have some kind of a falling out? Because it really as <laughs> kind of the Blazer, as kind of the Blazer <laughs> rivalry was kind of a. Uh, you know, growing in magnitude uh-huh. a little bit. It seemed like seemed like they're kind of uh, you know just a little bit of edginess between them. And and I think Terry kind of uh, you know I, a couple of times I thought I could tell he was kind of disgusted. You know, Doc had his ways of kind of manipulating or trying to manipulate things. But mm-hmm. uh, Terry Terry was uh, getting to the point where he was getting a little tired of it. And so I, I I love the fact that he was fighting back. So I figured okay, this is kind of fair game a little bit here. And so um, and uh, and I think that uh, that was uh, when we kind of thought that you know maybe. Only Doc Glenn was something that maybe would would uh, you know be a little bit of an extra. I mean, I had to be careful. <laughs> I was also told by the same supervisor that you know you're kind of better than this. You don't really have to take shots at the other team, you know. And I, I said, <laughs> well, I said, you know, I think I think I think we in Portland kind of always have had a little bit of an inferiority complex in some respects. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we kind of think that you know the league is against us, and uh, you know, and then and uh, sometimes maybe even the officials and so forth. So I said, I I, I tend to think. I mean, uh, you know, I, I never wanted to be inaccurate with what I was doing. I mean, uh, there, was a, there was a great uh, longtime broadcaster in Houston, Gene Peterson, who did the Rockets for many, many years. And to me, he was the ultimate homer. J- Johnny Most was probably the <laughs> biggest homer that I ever heard, but I didn't hear him as much. He was, he was he was winding out his career when I kind of first started getting to do play-by-play in the NBA. But Gene Peterson, I recall, um, a guy who was doing the pre-half and post-game for the Rockets, Jim Cosimore, uh, was at uh, the home games. He would sit near Peterson, and then if he saw a play that he liked, he would call back to the studio and ask the Rich Patterson, for instance, of, of the Rockets to pull that highlight. And he would use it at halftime or after the game. Well, in this particular game, they're playing the Kings and uh, Jim didn't have his headset on, but he saw a play and he didn't use a lot of plays from the other team. But in this particular instance, Corliss Williamson stole the ball in midcourt. He went behind his back. Uh, he, he dribbled between his legs and he dunked the ball on Elijah Wan. And even the crowd at the summit uh, kind of went, ooh. And so, so 
he called back to the studio. Now the guy that was pulling the highlights, it was not a TV game. So he's, he's listening to Gene Peterson call the, call the game. So he doesn't have a visual of anything. So, so Jim says, Hey, pull that, um, you know, Williamson, uh, dunk, even though it was a, you know, and I think the Kings were winning the game. So he was trying to kind of maybe put give one highlight to explain why they were, why they were doing so well in the first half. And the producer, the engineer said, I, I didn't hear anything like that. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, Oh, it just happened. He was, the crowd was going crazy. He goes, well, I'll go back and listen, but I, I don't recall hearing it. Well, Wade Gene Peterson as the ultimate Homer called it. He said, you know, there's uh, Maxwell bringing the ball up the floor, uh, dribbled off his foot. Um, Williamson has it, makes his way down the lane, might've traveled, lays it in. And that was like, <laughs> so, so I thought, I thought now, now there's being a Homer and not being active. <laughs> you're kind of cheating the audience there. Now, now it's one thing I would probably have called it, described it accurately and maybe sound disappointed that it happened, but, uh, but I would have still told you that he dunked it on Elijah one and he went behind his back and between his legs. But I thought Gene, now that's Gene Peterson, the same guy who also said once when a uh, game was in Houston and he felt the officials were not giving the Rockets a fair shake. He said, fans, this is amazing. We are getting hosed in our own building. And, uh, and I thought that that's another great, great, uh, just, uh, just uh, Homer, Homer comment. I, I, I thought as long as he was in the league, I would never be perceived as the biggest Homer around. So I was disappointed when he retired because, because then I moved up the ladder, unfortunately, a little bit in that respect. But I kind of think, you know, again, as long as you're not being dishonest with, with what you're saying, I think uh, people probably expect that you're going to, you're just going to, you know, show a little bit more happiness when, uh, when your team is doing well and probably a little more disappointed when they are. I understand sometimes it's a little bit of a roller coaster and I, I get that. And I tried to, I always would try to work on that. So it wouldn't be so much of a roller coaster, but, uh, um, but it, uh, you know, certainly when the team is doing well, I don't think people had much trouble deciphering that if they were tuning in midway through a broadcast, for instance. I love so mad he could bite through a rope so much. <laughs> I think what sometimes you'd say, give him some salt or something like that. Cause he was so mad. He was <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes the, the words that came out uh, didn't make much sense and probably were not something that could actually happen, but, but at the moment they seem like they were, they, they fit, they fit the moment. <laughs> and got us all caught up in the moment. Um, okay. So my next question is about nicknames. This is very important to me and Dan right now. Um, mm-hmm. So first of all, we want to know if, you know, if you have any nicknames that you came up with, you know, that stuck that you're like really proud of. And then the second part of the question is, can you help us come up with a nickname for Gary Trent Jr.? Because we are having a very hard time with that. Uh, that's, you know, and, and nicknames, I will say, of all the things that, that I maybe tried to do or think of, I think those that wasn't always easy to, to come up with uh, a nickname. It, it seems like sometimes it has to be uh, almost something that's uh, um, just uh, just maybe, you know, natural. Maybe just say it, say it, and it's just kind of a, uh, maybe you think, oh, that, okay, that seems to work, and you try it again, and, and it seems to fit. Now, I would say that there was kind of a tug of war with uh, the natural. I mean, I, I felt Brandon Roy epitomized that because it just seemed like everything he did came naturally to him. But I couldn't get our TV guys to go along with saying it. So it really wasn't kind of accepted by a lot of people. And so well, I, I was finishing that. It was accepted by some. Uh, maybe others were like, well, I'm not really going to say that or something. So, so I think had – you know, had the team adapted it, you know, that would have been, that would have been something. But, uh, um, when I first, when Theo Rather first came to the team, I thought because of his, you know, jump and jack ability and ability to, to, uh, you know, get up and get up and down so quickly, I thought he kind of struck me as like the rubber band man. But, but then, then he said, no, I'm really comfortable, more comfortable with the Rattler, you know? So, so I, I pulled back, I think maybe he said it for a couple of games and 
I think Rice tried to buy into it, you know, a little bit, but but once we once you know said, no, I'm real comfortable, more comfortable with this. That's you know, that's fine. So if I if ever if I have ever had a nickname for a player and they said, no, I'm not really comfortable with that, I, I certainly would always pull back and not not go through. I'm not going to force it. You know, force it and be something where every time the guy sees me, he's like, oh, there's the guy who calls me something I don't like. And I asked Brandon about it. and He said he was he was fine with the natural. So once he said it was okay, I figured it was uh, it was good. But I, I will say that's probably the one thing that I I didn't have as easy a time just coming up with you know looking at somebody and, and saying, okay, here's here's a nickname for this, for this person. So I kind of just went along more with what I could tell the players were calling each other or a guy, maybe that had a long established nickname, but yeah, coming up with something that's uh, creative and, and new. Um, I would say that uh, as much as I like to think that I sometimes am, am fairly uh, uh, good at, uh, at, at coming up with things. Uh, that was something for whatever reason, nicknames, I didn't have as easy a time coming up with as I, as I would have liked to at times. So, so it wasn't one of my strengths, I would say. So again, Trent, that's a guy that, yeah, you know, now that he's starting to play more. You kind of feel like he he deserves one or should have one. And uh, and I would say that, yeah, it's hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what is. And now he's, he's shown a little bit more offensive ability, but he gets credit for his teammates for how hard he's working defensively. So you wonder what is really the area that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of maybe deserves the most attention. But uh, I assume that there's been a few uh, nominations to this point. They're really bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my latest is better. Better? Would you like to, would you like to suggest what uh, your initial thoughts were, Dan? Okay, so this is this is not good. So <laughs> my my like Gary's from Minnesota, and my familiarity with Minnesota, I was stationed in North Dakota in mm. in Grand Forks, which is like the dividing line of North Dakota and, and Minnesota. And the only reason I went to Minnesota was to either go to Minneapolis to fly home or to go fishing. So like <laughs> my my first like frame of reference for Minnesota was fishing. And I, I don't know if you've seen that stupid video of the, the fish cannon. Oh, and, yes, 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 yes. So I was like, you know what? He's out here shooting a lot of threes, fish, fish cannon. We'll just call him fish cannon. We'll just, we'll go with that. Hey, that's not that bad. <laughs> I mean, that, that shows some creativity I mean, on your part. I mean, you didn't just, didn't just you know, pick that one out. I mean, you, you were, you certainly were, uh, you know, putting together a few things that tied into, you know, to, to, uh, to a talent of his and, and where he came from. I mean, that, that, that took some effort to come up with that one. I appreciate you trying to save that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, did you try putting out there seeing if anybody, you know? Oh yeah, no, it was, it was, it was booed horribly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Dan. Sometimes the people because they don't think of it themselves, they get resistant to you know buying into somebody else's, and sometimes that's not fair because uh, you know we can't always have every creative idea, and sometimes somebody's going to be more creative than we are. That's just that's a fact of life. So, so we, sometimes we should. Uh, uh, just own up to that as opposed to being resistant that we didn't think of something first. You know, I just had a thought. You know what else Minnesota is known for is the lakes, but I just I started thinking of like butter, like the land of lakes butter. Butter, butter, right, yeah. Okay. We, so there's got to be something in there. Jumper yeah, smooth I mean, as butter. Like a little, and, and, little, and, and, has anybody asked Gary if he has one or had one at any time in his life? I mean, that, that, that. I, I, I did a Google search and didn't come up with anything. So yeah. I, I got nothing. And we, I've been trying to get a hold of Gary. I'm still trying to, tr- still trying to get him out here. So if we get him here, we're absolutely going to discuss the nickname thing. That's, that's what's going to happen. It's, it's just so amazing that his, uh, you know, if you, if you put him, uh, if you put him in like four of the guys that you just picked out of a lineup and said, uh, now which one of these guys is uh, the son of Gary Trent senior. I mean, <laughs> his body type is just so unlike his dad. I, yeah. mean, I, don't, know, I don't know what happened. I, I haven't seen what his mom looks like, but somewhere along the way, he did not get the uh, 
you know, the shack of the Mac, um, uh, you know, body type that his yeah. dad is that's for sure. No. And listen, Gary, Gary's a, he's a, he's a tank of a, of a young kid, but he's, he's a, he's a small tank. He's, he's at the oh, front yeah. of the pack. He, he's not the Abrams <laughs> bringing up the rear like his dad is. That's right. There's that's no right. doubt about that. I love seeing his dad in the audience. A lot of times when he'd be for games, it just seemed like he was a hard guy to impress. I mean, uh, you know, his son would do something well, and he, and he kind of just looked at it like either maybe expected it, I don't know, but it wasn't like he was just smiling broadly and uh, and just just you know cheering loudly. It was uh, you know maybe maybe that's maybe it was uh, maybe a little bit of tough love or something, or maybe that's just maybe he just kept his uh, emotions inside. But I I always thought you never just saw an, uh, an immediate uh, wide open expression uh, you know of of, of, of a joy and uh, happiness when his son would do things well, and he he did a lot of things well certainly over the second half of the season. It definitely it, Gary Trent Senior is definitely not the Currys. Right, that's right. That's, that's right. I think we say Gary Trent Senior looks less likely to be eating popcorn in the stand and more likely to be paying left tackle for the Seahawks right now. So. Yeah, very true. <laughs> maybe, maybe just this tough, tough exterior just extends uh, even beyond his playing days, which is kind of the way he is all the time. And I still, he still looks like somebody you wouldn't want to mess with any day of the week. Mm-hmm. No, not not one bit. That's right. So we want to make sure we come up with a good nickname for his son. <laughs> We yes, don't want to right. screw that right. one up. We, we want to run a senior yeah. coming for us. Not a bad idea. <laughs> oh, God. Well, um, I'll ask one more. The uh, A lot of talk because today, just in a few mm-hmm. hours, uh, the um, the documentary about Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, is about yeah. to air tonight. Yeah. So I would love to hear some thoughts and memories that you have um, about watching Michael Jordan over the years. Yeah, and I and I, um, uh, you know, I, I, I left Chicago in 1993. So the Bulls had uh, had won um, obviously two championships uh, by then. The interesting thing was growing up in Los Angeles. I, of course, I was a, a huge Laker fan. I'm a huge Laker fan. Now I justify it some ways because I know saying something like that around here is is is, is paramount to uh, asking to be ostracized from Oregon forevermore. But mm-hmm. but I, I I say that. I just find that, well, okay, I was a fan of the Magic, you know, Lakers, and certainly not the Phil Jackson-led led Lakers, uh, for instance, and we had lots of fun with Phil over the years. Uh, but uh, um, but the, the really interesting story was that the first year the Lakers, uh, and the first year the Bulls won their championship was at the expense of the Lakers. I was working for the Bulls radio network doing their pre-half and post-game shows, um, and I was doing it with another guy. So we split the games up. He actually did more than I did. So we got we didn't travel at all until the playoffs. We got to travel in the playoffs. So we were there in Detroit when or in, in Pontiac when uh, or in Auburn Hills when the Pistons walked off the court uh, before the final game was over against uh, against the Bulls. And I knew that the great thing was that they were going to play the Lakers in the finals. And so I said to myself, now how am I going to uh, divorce myself though from you know how I'm kind of how I kind of feel inside? Now if I was doing play by play for the Bulls, it wouldn't have been any problem. I would have certainly been one hundred percent for the Bulls. But since I was only doing pre and post game. <laughs> I was actually rooting for the Lakers. And so, and so when we got to the games at the forum, um, I had to go walk to the top of the forum where the standing room only people were during the game. So I could openly root for the Lakers while the game was going on. And then the friends of mine and the Chicago media that knew what was going on, every time the Bulls did something well, they looked up at me in the stands and just saw the disgust on my face because the Bulls won all three games in LA to, to win the series. Um, so that was, but that was actually the great thing about that series was my, Idol growing up, Chick Hearn, um, the Lakers' longtime broadcaster, it was the first time I really had a chance to establish a relationship with him. Oh, and uh, and I, I asked him after, I think it was before game two in Chicago, I said, I said, Chick, I'm going to be going out to L.A. If I brought a demo tape of mine, would you 
would you listen to? I was doing college basketball at the time. Oh, wow. um, I said, would you, would you be willing to listen to some of it and give me a critique? And he said, uh, yeah, how about we do the Sunday game, which was going to be a four 30 game. He goes, I get there about 1230. He said, uh, so why don't you get there early and uh, we'll sit and listen to it. Now, I'd had a lot of people listen to demo tapes that, that I respected. And oftentimes, you know, they, they let it play for about five minutes while you're sitting there and say, yeah, it's really good. You deserve to be in the, in the league. Uh, good luck. Chick, I mean, I, when we listen, he'd stop it like every like 10 seconds. He'd do that. He goes, stop. I like the way you did this. Or something. And then he goes about 10 minutes. I think maybe you should do more of this. I mean, he really dissected it. And so it was after the point when I saw how much he, the effort he put into it, I said, Chick, would you, um, have any problem being a, uh, a reference for me? And he said, he said, no. And so, so actually, uh, when I went for NBA jobs, he was often the person to call for me. And, and I laughed because sometimes I would get a, I would get a, uh, uh, kind of an advanced, uh, report on the decision maker for a team. And then they would say, this guy, you know, be, be aware. He's very hard to get a hold of. He often doesn't return a call for a week. So I'd tell Chick, I'd say, well, here's the guy, here's the phone number. You know, he's probably not going to get back to you for a week or so, Chick, but just so you know, he called me back in like 10 minutes. Yeah, he just picked the phone. So, so every time Chick called, you know, it, it meant something, and he, and he, got, uh, he, got, uh, he got through. Now, That's what, I laugh, what, what, what I laughingly, uh, uh, you know, remember is that when it came time to, to look into the Blazers' job, though, I asked him to call the Blazers on my behalf, and he said, well, I'd like to, but uh, Bill Shanley and I have been great friends. I'm really disappointed at what they're doing to him. So for this one position, I don't think I can call for you, but I, you know, if I, I wish oh, you good luck wow. if somebody has to get the job. So then when I got the job, I thought to myself, now, wait a minute, maybe Chick was the bad luck charm because every job I had him <laughs> call for me, I didn't get in the one job he didn't call, I got. I said, so maybe Chick was the problem. And, and the only other time I thought, I thought somewhat badly of Chick and I loved him, but um, was uh, before game six of the conference finals in 2000, before oh. the Ophelia game seven. Uh, it's in Portland, of course, and before the game, you know, Blazers down three games to two. I said, Chick, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I don't know if we're going to see you on Sunday for game seven. Uh, but if uh, the Lakers win tonight, best of luck in the finals. And, and hopefully I'll see you. Uh, I would see him sometimes at the sportscasters camp in LA or some, hopefully I'll see you at the sportscasters camp in the summer. Uh, but uh, good luck tonight. He said, he said, thank you. Thank you. He goes, well, have a nice summer. And I kind of walked down. I said, wait a minute. I said, that, that's not a gun. He just pretty much said that they're going to win the game. Have a nice summer. I said, I said, that old man. I said, all of a sudden, I said, he's really fired up about my idol, Chick Hearn. And I said, I said, we're going to show him. And then, the, 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 and so we won the game. I was really happy. And I, I thought we'd win game seven and, the, and really show him. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the ultimate revenge. And he, he did, we did have a nice, well, we didn't really have a nice summer, but, but we got to summer coaches a couple of days later than he anticipated. But that was, so those were the only two times I thought ill of Chick. But uh, the rest of the time, he was uh, a great, uh, great influence. And certainly growing up, he was a, he was a great influence too, but uh, I forgot what the original question was. I just was rambling. So, so hopefully no, that's, that's <laughs> that was <awesome>. amazing. <laughs> uh, go ahead. I was say we'll wrap back to the, to, to the original question with, with the last dance going on tonight. Uh, oh, yes, yes, we yes, talk, oh, were yes. talking about the bulls. What was it like calling Michael Jordan? Yeah, it's, um, um, you know, it was certainly, you know, and, and I had a really good friend who was, somebody who traveled with them. And he said it, it really was like uh, whatever it would have been traveling with the Beatles. He said, because of all the special things they had to do, pulling into a, you know, into a, into a town, he'd be on a plane on a bus. And he actually got to go out and, and be with Michael in, in social situations. And so, and he said, it was amazing because if, if, um, if, if, if a player that was in the, in the entourage with Michael 
wanted to go meet a girl, he had to do so kind of the old-fashioned way. If Michael wanted to go meet somebody, he had a handler that would kind of go tell the young lady that uh, Mr. Jordan might like to meet you and so on. And then, then, so Michael had a lot of things that, you know, uh, accommodations that maybe weren't, weren't, weren't available to just, to just anybody and it included even that. Uh, but, uh, but he said, he said, what was really amazing was to be on the plane and to see uh, the extent of the, uh, the level. And, and I saw some of this when Scotty Piven got to, got to Portland and, and the card games on the team plane, the level of, uh, of uh, money that was in the pot uh, for, for a lot of the hands that they had was, uh, was definitely uh, definitely uh, very intimidating, uh, and that's a chicken. And I can tell the story about chicken. He's not not alive anymore, but but he uh, you could tell sometimes that he maybe because he was a little older, he didn't uh, necessarily um, always have the best um, uh, politically correct ways of saying things. So mm. one time he was on the team playing with the Lakers, and Rick Fox, he's kind of observing the, the poker game. Rick Fox asked him, "Chick, you want to sit in?" Or something? So, oh no, he goes, I, "I don't think I can keep up with you, colored boys." And he walked walked away. And Rick Fox said, "Did he just call us colored colored boys?" And, and he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it to be. He didn't mean it to be, uh, you know, uh, negative or, or uh, you know, or discriminatory or anything like that. But but he just it was just something that he he just oh didn't quite God. understand that maybe that wasn't appropriate anymore. But uh, but he, so, so I when I heard that story, I said, eh, I could see where Chick maybe maybe uh, you know was not uh, Chick was uh, you know he, he was uh, he was a great talent, but as he got up in age, he was. Uh, it was a little ornery and not the easiest person to get, get along with, but uh, I was I, I was fortunate that he seemed to like me, and uh, and he, he did he did I, I joke about him uh, the job he didn't call for me on, but uh, but he he was very very helpful, and I, I was very lucky that somebody in his in, of his status took the time to actually help a young aspiring broadcaster that uh, uh, certainly benefited from his expertise. Wow, Chick Hearn, uh, that's a that's a, a wild Chick Hearn ride. That's <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I guess the easiest way to do this is, is I did throw this out the other day to ask listeners and, and, and fans, you know, some, ask some questions. And the first one actually is going to come from, from my co-host and outsiders, Joe Simons, who is, 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 is a young play-by-play man himself. And, you know, shout out the uh, Idaho Vans. guy. Now there's somebody, <laughs> there's somebody who is, uh, who is, who is uh, devilishly handsome without question. I think we it's, it's, it's very true. It's very as hard as, to as, sit as next as to him. As a heterosexual male, I feel confident in saying that without any, you know, any hesitation. <laughs> it's, it's, it, trust me, it's, it's, it's very hard sitting next to him. It's, it's difficult. And I think he knows that too, being, because I see, I noticed that he doesn't wear any shirts that kind of cover up the, the biceps he has. And I, if I had his no. biceps, I wouldn't cover them up either. No, he, he buys them a size too small. <laughs> He's the Joe Pesci of the outsiders. Yes, exactly. Uh, Joe wanted to know, Wheels. If any other play-by-play uh, guys ever gave you any guff over exuberant or over-exuberant calls, ah, okay, that's a very good question. Uh, you know, I, I find that the the uh, the art of being a team play-by-play guy often involves a lot of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a lot of um, kind of subterfuge and uh, and con artist uh, work because I think you you have to kind of uh, even if uh, the other team is somebody that you don't like. I, I, I will say there weren't a lot of play-by-play people I didn't necessarily like. But if the other team you didn't like them, you'd, you'd say, "Hey, you guys are on a good roll. They did one on five and roll, whatever." You know. So and and sometimes I would try to see if I could do some um, intel work for the team. So I might say, you know, "Hey, so and so has been hurt lately. Are you going to play tonight?" You know, I think. And uh, and he goes, oh, "I don't, I don't think so." And then 
And then I'd be like, oh, really? I'll be right back. And then I'd go, <laughs> go, 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 go to, I had to get a drink, you know, I'd say, but in the meantime, I'd go and tell, I used to go, hey, tell, you know, tell Terry, you know, tell Nate, whoever it was, you know, that uh, he's not playing tonight. He goes, oh, okay. And then they'd appreciate it or something. But, um, so sometimes I think you're acting like you're kind of happy for what they do. So I really, I'm sure there are probably people that maybe heard a highlight and said, said, oh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's sticking it to us or whatever. But, uh, there was, um, I think there were rivalries with some, play by play guys, if you, you know, that kind of carried over from, from the team. But, uh, but I have to say like the Clippers, Brian Seaman, I think is one of the better play by play guys in the league. And so I never had any issues with him. Ralph Waller never had any issues with, with him. I think Michael Smith and I, I think one time we got, we got a little feisty over the, over the rivalry, but it wasn't really anything that, that, uh, that, that I had said that he heard or something like that. But, uh, um, but I think, uh, you know, I, I know one time I did say, and I probably, I probably maybe crossed the line a little bit, um, it was it was a game with the Warriors when Mark Jackson was coaching, and I said something about how did I phrase it? It was something that um, uh, I think he, uh, he whatever it was I think it was I, I, I'm not thinking exactly what it was, but I know he his his uh, um, I guess what you find out is that sometimes the video coordinator of the uh, other team is is taking the video of the game for purposes of, of the team watching it later on, but he might get your audio because it was, mm-hmm. it was important. So he's getting these the home audio. And I think he heard something he didn't like, and he told Mark and Mark didn't like it. And Mark told um, Raymond Ritter, the great PR director of the Warriors. And then Raymond called me and we've been friends for a long time. And he said, Hey, could you write a letter of apology to Mark? And I, I remember I did. He, I never heard back from him. Or anything, so I guess whatever I wrote, he was satisfied with, but I, I never, you know, I, I, if Raymond Ritter hadn't asked or, if I didn't think, uh, and I don't think it was, I didn't say anything that was uh, racist or anything. And it wasn't anything really, really bad like that. I think, but I think it was something that he just felt that um, I got, the team lost and I didn't give a big lead. So he probably was a little sensitive. And, but I, but I think looking back on it, I said, well, you know, if he, he got offended, I, you know, I guess you, you can never tell somebody who's offended that they're wrong for being offended. So, so I, I guess uh, I, I just had to accept that he was. And so I thought maybe my, my first reaction was, I hope this isn't, the biggest takeaway that he has from this game because his, his team blew a big lead and I think they had more things to worry about than whatever I might have said that uh, that he took a little offense to but uh, but I said if, if that'll help him get over the game and uh, and make sure that I don't you know the one thing you can ever be find out in this in, in this business like like a lot of them uh, there's a lot of uh, small world so so you never know if you know somebody uh, uh, you know is uh, um, is going to be you we pick on somebody today, and maybe you think they're in a in a position that you're higher up than they are. Well, they might be your boss tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. so you know, so you better you better you know figure that figure that out. And I and that actually happened with regard to the Blazer job uh, when I worked in Seattle. Um, there was a guy that used to be a cab driver in in San Francisco, and he kind of came on board. It was kind of an, in an era when sports talk stations were sometimes getting one guy that was kind of like the voice of the fan, you know. So maybe didn't have a formal. But a broadcast career. But New York event, he came on board, and a lot of people in Northwest have heard him. Mm-hmm. And he was a big rallying cry for fans and so forth. And so at the time, he was helping to keep the Seahawks in Seattle. So he was dealing with Paul and Paul's people. And Bert Cole, Paul's right hand man, was. And Bert kind of sensed that, you know, Vinny was somebody that would be a good guy to have on your side as you're trying to push forth this, you know, this uh, uh, plan to get a new stadium built and so forth. And so somewhere along the way, they're having lunch. And Bert says to Vinny, he says, uh, you know, in, in uh, Portland, we're going to be changing announcers there. Bill Shamley, a long-time guy, is going to be uh, is, is not going to be doing the games after the season. You know of anybody that uh, that that you know we should take a look at. And when I was at when I was in Seattle at KJR for the two years I was there, a lot of the other on-air hosts made fun of him. They thought he was you know just 
crude and, you know, again, because he didn't have the formal training, you know. But I, I was always nice to him and always got along with him. And, and not that I was trying extra special or doing something that didn't come naturally, but, but again, you wouldn't necessarily have ever thought that Vinny in his position would, would ever be, you know, in some spot down the line that, that uh, he could be helpful. But there wasn't the reason to be nice to him, but he did suggest me. He said, somebody you should take a look at. And then he called me and said, hey, Bert wants you to send him a tape. And so that's kind of how the process got started of me oh, getting wow. in the mix with the Blazers. But it was a lesson to me that had I been one of those guys that was really mean to Vinny, and he knew who they were, had I been one of those guys, then chances are, you know, he wouldn't have thought of me necessarily. It doesn't mean I would not maybe gotten into the mix anyway, but, but it just, it just showed it just, it just, it's, it's too small world. And, 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 uh, and, and I mean, I, I, I try the best I can to be nice to everybody anyway, but if that, if that isn't ever a lesson that, uh, um, that, that really you just should, cause it's a good idea. But secondly, um, you just never know when somebody might be in a position to do you some good if you, you know, give them a fair shake. So, so that was, that was, that's always my lesson. And, always something that I would tell when I'd speak to young broadcasters about uh, just, you know, don't, don't burn any bridges because you never, you never know when somebody might be in a position to, to help you and you might be in a position to help them somewhere down the line too. One of the first thoughts I had when you were talking about Mark Jackson is I wonder how many people Raymond Ritter had to ask for a letter of apology from. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing, I'm missing, I know that Mark had, you know, it's great a team and that's, 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 that's a, that has to be frustrating for him if he's honest with himself. You know, how do you have that same group of people that goes on to be so dominant in the league and uh, mm-hmm. you you get ousted, you know, at a time when, uh, you know, they're just getting ready to be great. And that that was the thing in Chicago. You talk about Michael Jordan. It was always a mystery how Doug Collins was the coach of the Bulls, had taken them to the to the Eastern Conference Finals to a game seven, where they lose on the Pistons home floor. Certainly no, no shame in that. Mm-hmm. And then within a few days, he's fired from the job and uh, Phil Jackson takes over. And the explanation at the press conference to announce his firing, somebody said, why, why, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, did you make this move? Well, we felt that Doug Collins could get us from point A to point B. We didn't think he'd get us from point B to point C, which made no sense. Now, as time went on over the years, and I, I still don't know how much to substantiate this, but I know there's enough rumblings out there, and I doubt that he'll come back and sue me, but, uh, but it was, it was rumblings that he was involved with, um, with a, with a, he had a liaison, supposedly, with, with a married person on the Bulls Board of Governors. So it's quite possible that that was really the reason why he lost the job and had nothing to do with point A to, to point B to point C because it made no sense. I mean, here's a guy that's taking them, supposedly right on the cusp, and Phil, who, again, I, I just think Phil throughout his career had a great, uh, except when he took the next job as a GM, but as a head coach, it seemed like every time he got involved, he got involved right when the, when the situation was ripe for him to come in. I'm not, not, not demeaning anything that he did well as a coach, but his timing was very, very good when he walked into situations, and none was better than than his first head coaching job with the Bulls because they were they were ready to win. I think that Collins. I don't know if he won, would have won six championships, but I'm sure he would have had fairly similar success. I don't think Phil was responsible for six championships, but he came in at a great time. And uh, people can talk about the triangle, but there's lots of examples that the triangle sometimes turned out to be late in the shot clock, give the ball to Michael and let him do something great. So, and, and, <laughs> Weird how that works did. out, isn't it? And he did. And so, uh, so you never know what, uh, but, but it was, uh, that was an interesting time in Chicago because I think people thought the Bulls were going to take a big dip down, you know, losing their head coach. But again, Phil walked in a good situation at the time. He was kind of Jerry Krause's anointed guy. So it was interesting to see over the years how that changed. And I'm sure in this documentary, we very evident that there was not a very good relationship with Jerry Krause and anybody in that, uh, uh, basketball operation of the Bulls by the time they got around to that final championship season. So 
Uh, but that's not tough. I mean, and then when you think about how tough it is to win a championship and how you willingly give it up uh, with a team that was still like, capable of winning more, uh, that was always very puzzling to everybody in Chicago. I mean, nobody's 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 getting ready to retire. Nobody's uh, you know uh, uh, ailing so they can't point they can't play anymore. Uh, everybody still wants to stay together, and you're going to willingly break this thing up just to show that you can build another championship team to satisfy your own ego. In Jerry Krause's case, and Jerry Reinsdorf let it happen, so that's uh, he certainly has to take some blame in this whole thing too. So, so uh, I don't know if, I don't know how many more they would have won, but they certainly would have stayed more competitive than in the uh, short uh, the short Tim Floyd era after uh, after Phil got let go. Oh, no, that's 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 a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next question here, uh, I'm, I'm wondering how, how much you've been paying attention to, uh, to Twitter um, from Mark Muggy 503 um, Did you happen to see the interaction on Twitter by Joe Buck in the past 72 hours? Uh, I, I, saw some, <laughs> I saw some reference to it, and then I saw Joe had a very nice answer to the uh, request, which was, was very nice. So that's, a, that's a tough um, thing to have a um, – uh, if you're going to respond, to have a – Response have, that is, uh, you know, that answer. Yeah, hold I mean, on. And, you guys need to go into detail I, I, about I, I, this for I'll those of us who I'm don't a, I'm know. I, I'm going to. I'm going to ask it the same way Mark asked it. Would he accept the deal that Joe Buck turned down one million dollars to do live by play by play for an adult site for a couple months? He he goes on to say, "Think about it. Boom shakalaka, and that was nasty. <laughs> would be kind of perfect." <laughs> he has a point there. I gotta get. I gotta get him back. There's certainly that's why they are they are very versatile phrases because they not because they can be used in that sense but but the fact that they they have uh, they have uh, applications beyond just one let's put it that way but uh, um, no I have to think that that probably would be a career uh, maybe a a a good bank account uh, uh, booster for the short term but probably a career ender for the long term so um, see if you can work bite a rope in there. <laughs> Oh, ooh, there's another. another good, 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 you guys think good. I can't play along? Oh, that was very good. Even better than you know, better than the oh, back nasty. I'm stamped that uh, one down. Oh, that, that's perfect. That's no, that's, that's going that's in a, perfectly. Well, our old our old ooh. friend our old friend from uh, Blazers Television for a couple of seasons, Tony Luffman, who uh, who I still oh. stay in contact with, a great great guy. He worked briefly for the WWE, and mm. uh, and he does not put it on his resume anymore. He feels that that was maybe something that, that people would not, prospective uh, regular sports employers would not necessarily look at that as a um, bonus or a, a good thing. And I tend to think that this would also be something you probably wouldn't put on your resume uh, going forward as something that you want to I don't to think you'd have to. I, I, think just, I think it'd be pretty well known. Yeah. Unless you're going to go by, uh, you know, a uh, pet name. I What was it? Uh, George on Seinfeld was going to be buck naked. So I guess if he did, if he was a porn star and, and Joe, I guess he's already got the buck part, but I think uh, there you I, go. he would have a hard time. Uh, he would have a hard time, uh, you know, at, his, at this stage of his national notoriety, it would be hard for him to, uh, to not uh, uh, have that be something attached to his name forevermore. And that's probably, maybe if it was the last thing you ever did in your broadcasting career, maybe that's something that, you know, if you didn't care what anybody thought of you uh, going forward, but, but I tend to think if you want to have a broadcast career for at least a little while longer, it's probably not a, um, an, a, a a career move that would would pay off long term. I'm thinking, so that's why I would politely decline. I don't think I'll be asked, so I probably don't have to worry about it. But I would politely decline if uh, if it were uh, if I was approached. Let's put it that way. We'll we'll make it known that they don't need to ask. 
Yeah, that's a good thing. Yes, let's put that out there so we can we can get out in front of this before it gets uh, gets potentially uh, any again any phone calls. So this because at this point, you know, I'm I'm certainly looking for you know possible uh, next uh, you know, next uh, career moves, but I'm thinking that I'm probably gonna take that one off the list. I'm thinking <laughs> not not that it was ever on the list, but uh, but you know you know I'm getting myself in more trouble the more I talk about it. I can see that <laughs> <laughs> taking myself a good hold. But... I you always gonna bring your own trouble. I I have to say that over, you know, the last several weeks as we're all going stir crazy, I have really enjoyed the memes on Twitter where uh, announcers are calling like not games. Yes. Yes. The the guy, the guy with the dog holding the bone was, was. (laughs) That was so good. That has been clever. I agree. I agree. What would you call if you could call something, Brian? Oh, geez. There's uh, I mean, there's, there's probably any number of things that I have already. Uh, you know, if you sit in a park and you and you just uh, people watch or uh, see see uh, pets in the field or you know a couple of babies uh, just to, you know just <laughs> enjoy, enjoying uh, the sunshine or something. There's any any number of things that you can find. That's the great thing about play by play. That uh, and there's really anything you know that uh, could apply. Now I have had uh, friends that would uh, you know you get the you get the that you watch a game with friends and they're like, hey, if we turn on a song, can you do a little play by play? And so and and sometimes I've done that, but I always say. I'm probably not going to have the same emotion as I would if I was actually in the building and getting, you know, caught up in the, you know, the, uh, cause I've had people that would meet me and say, Hey, do boom shock a lot. And I, and I say, yeah, but I probably not going to sound as you know, energetic as you'd like. And then therefore it's probably going to be disappointment. I'll do it. But you know, if it's not quite what you're expecting, uh, just uh, don't be surprised if I'm thinking that I probably got to see something really, really exciting to bring that level of emotion out. But uh, sometimes people are disappointed in that, but, but I'm trying to, you know, be honest up front, so they, they hopefully uh, their expectations aren't uh, totally, um, you know, totally not met. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I think just about any any anything of action, you could probably find a way to call the play by play of it. Uh, some things might be more entertaining than others, but I think you could probably find a way to call play by play of just about anything. So, it's, uh, it's just, I guess it's left up to the one's imagination at that point. Uh, got another one here from Colby McLaughlin at Colby Mac ninety two. This is going to bring it back to the Blazers. Which of the four young guys are you excited to watch next year between Zach, Anthony, Gary, and Nas? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, I guess I guess the easy answer is Zach because he uh, we didn't get a chance to see him fulfill his opportunity to be a be a starter um, this season. Um, I think there's there's no doubt. I mean, if you read into everything that uh, Neil says about him, there's no doubt that. He's not going anywhere, and I don't think his uh, chance to be a starter is going to uh, is going to go away anytime soon. So he's going to have an opportunity to still show what he can do. Disappointing for him that he didn't have that opportunity for this season, but uh, but he he did remark, and, and this is what you hope for a young player that he learned a lot just by watching games and kind of uh, you know uh, you know being on the bench and and hopefully uh, taking in things that maybe the veterans would be saying and so forth, which is a smart thing on his part. So. Uh, I don't think he was. I think he was a pretty smart player anyway, pretty intuitive. But I think maybe if he if he gets even more that way, then that's great. And I think he's got the uh, physical ability to to do some good things. So so and that that's a nice thing from a Blazer perspective that we we've yet to see the best of Zach Collins, and he lost a little bit of a little bit of momentum in that respect this season. But certainly shouldn't be any kind of an injury that should be long term or lingering. So uh, hopefully, uh, I know they're not going to bring him back until he's totally sound. And uh, so I think when he plays again. You know, back to 100%, and hopefully this will be last time he has to worry about missing significant time for an injury, and uh, we can see what all he's capable of because I think he's, I think he's got a ton of potential, and I'd love to see all that realized. I get the uh, this one's I think is going to be a little bit different. This is from Casey Mavitt at Oregon Dude 82. 
How happy would you be to call the first new game of the new I-5 rivalry if it ever came back? Ah, well, certainly I think, you know, we all, uh, even for Blazer fans that uh, might have uh, had uh, some, you know, when, when we use hatred in sports, we realize it's a little <laughs> different than hatred in life. Uh, but some hatred of the Sonics, I think, I think we all realize that, I mean, what I hated about uh, the time with the Blazers is that the two uh, franchise moves that happened during uh, during the, the time with the Blazers that I had uh, were, were couldn't have been worse for, for mm-hmm. us. I mean, to, to have Vancouver uh, go to Memphis and then have uh, Seattle go to Oklahoma City, I mean, you couldn't have asked for further, well, at least an Oklahoma City destination you wouldn't necessarily be that excited about. And both of them were far away compared to the shortest destinations that you would have otherwise. So, so it really, so that's why you look at that NBA map and Portland's all the way up in the corner all by itself. But, uh, but I hope there does come a day when, um, and I think things got personal between David Stern and the, um, and the Washington legislature, unfortunately. And so, and Stern was the kind of guy that the things, things, he would let things get personal in a lot of ways. And so I think Adam Silver is not that way. So when the time is right, I don't know when that will be, but, uh, whether it's an expansion team or, or a team moving from another city, um, hopefully there will be basketball in Seattle again, and that'll be a great thing for the rivalry. And, uh, I'd love to see, uh, even if it were for one night, I'd love to see uh, uh, a chance to, uh, you know, if I could call that game for the Blazers and Kevin could go back, go back and call that game for the Sonics, that would be a, that'd be kind of a great uh, opportunity to uh, be able to kind of see, uh, you know, see a couple of the longtime broadcasters for, uh, you know, Kevin used to do something, and I told him this was one of the great entertaining things I ever heard. Back when not every game was televised, the Sonics would play the Timberwolves when Kevin Harlan was uh, a local guy with the Timberwolves and before he got That's to right. national, national prominence. And the two of them worked something out, and I don't know even how technically it was done, but they worked something out where they would uh, each call the game on. So, so the entire broadcast would be, I think maybe they did it for, just for a quarter, but the entire broadcast of that quarter would be on both teams' radio stations. And so when the Sonics had the ball, Calabro would call, call things. And then as soon as the oh, wow. rebound taken out by the Wolves, then Harlan takes over. Oh, wow. It's like, it's like an auto race where you kind of, you know, <laughs> let, let the guy on the turn, you know, the next guy takes the, uh, takes the broadcast uh, reign for that, for that moment. And I thought it was some of the most entertaining uh, radio that I ever heard. I mean, two, two uh, guys that, you know, had their allegiance with their team and you, and you could hear them both on the same broadcast. <laughs> you couldn't do it now because the, you know, one team's probably televising the game. if not both. broadcast rights um, and all that stuff. Know, and yeah, you got all that stuff, but it was a, uh, I don't. I'm sure somebody made a tape of it, but it was really, really, really entertaining. And this back uh, when Calabro was in his, you know, I tell him that he's, you know, he's in his 60s now, and I'm not that far away. But, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Kevin, you don't know. I mean, you know, I know a lot of stories about you when I was much younger, right? I mean, uh, and then days when we went out and stayed out late after games, right? And, and he's like, Yeah, you're not gonna tell those to anybody, are you? I was like, I probably not. <laughs> if you're nice to me, I probably won't. But, uh, but it's a, uh, but, but he's a, uh, he's a. Uh, he, I think he's a. Uh, he's settled down quite a bit. He's not. He's not quite the the uh, wild man that he used to be because uh, we had some fun after games. In fact, that'd be like, that'd be, that'd be about 4 a.m. close time. Is it, doesn't he have to get home? And then be like, you know, I mean, I'm single. I mean, he's not, but, but he, he, and he didn't do anything that was, that was out of line or something, but then he stayed out with the boys. He had no problem, you know, no problem doing it. I, I don't know. He didn't, I'm sure he made up for it with his lovely wife, Sue, on some other night, but, uh, um, but, uh, you know, so he was in those wild days. Those were the Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, you know, uh, Rain Man, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, get up for the downstroke, and all the crazy stuff. I don't know why he doesn't say. I, I said, "Why don't you say some of those things here?" And he, yeah, those are Saturdays. No, those, those were you. Those were you. The, 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 you carry those wherever you go. I mean, and, and I don't know. He, I think he's. Uh, 
he's been a little bit more careful in his uh, in his uh, play-by-play, you know, uh, here. I think in Seattle, he just let loose. I mean, I wish he'd do that even more than he does. Or maybe it's just he's just holding out. He, he's not as uh, not a wild and crazy. But he, he was entertaining in those games at the Coliseum when the crowd would go crazy and Kemp would, you know, leap over everybody. It was uh, and, and and I did a lot of the pre and post game during his time, and very enjoyable to cut up his highlights. He was uh, <laughs> he was he was terrific, and I think I think even better on radio than on TV because he, he you know again he described more and he had Marcus Johnson. Uh, they were a good team, you know. And so he and Lamar formed a really nice team here, and, uh, and he's gotten some TV work over the years. Uh, but uh, but I think Sonic fans will say that they remember some great times when he was the voice of the Sonic. So so uh, you know things will probably change, and he won't be necessarily the guy that does the games in Seattle. But uh, but whoever's doing it, uh, I think it'd be great to see. Uh, Blazer Sonics rivalry be renewed uh, with basketball back in Seattle, hopefully sooner rather than later. You've seen a lot of players come and go over the years, and um, I'm not going to ask you who's your favorite. I'm going to go <laughs> a different direction. I'm going to ask you if there was a player um, from a previous era that you would have loved to have covered. Like what eras do you, what really like would have drawn you and thought would have been like a really fun time to follow and call? A blazer, blazer era, you mean? Yeah. 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 There, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of great players I missed out on. Um, certainly, uh, you know, those teams of the nineties, uh, you know, any, anybody, uh, well, that team has been nice to watch these classic games. Yes. Kind of see, uh, those are so fun. You're kind of reminded about how good those teams really were yes. and how those teams in the nineties, uh, you know, one of them should have won a championship. And everybody always says the team in 91 that got upset by the Lakers in the conference finals was probably the best of the bunch. And that was the one that didn't get to the, uh, to the NBA finals. But, um, but I think uh, they had some great, great players. And I think, I think one thing you get to get to see is that you really do get to appreciate Terry Porter more. I mean, I think, you know, I think people that weren't as familiar with watching him night in, night out, they knew Drexler was the star player, the big name guy. Uh, but, uh, but Terry Porter's, uh, stability and uh, and willingness to take some really big shots and uh, also willingness to take on the you know the point guard of the other team I mean some of these games with the Blazers in Utah uh, I mean he he dominated Stockton in a lot of those models mm-hmm. so so uh so I think you know and, and it was it's been great to get to know Terry it was great to know the late Jerome Kersey I mean uh, as, as a person uh as well and uh and Maurice Lucas another another guy from the past that was great to know too um I think I think Walton would have been the guy you know to be able to to describe his game to watch him in his prime uh, and to see, you know, those, those, now unfortunately it was a short prime, uh, at least here in Portland before the injuries took over. But, um, but in the, in the, in the championship season and in the first, you know, what, 50, 60 games of uh, the next season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to watch, to watch him and be able to call his games and uh, just uh, now again, growing up in LA, I was more a USC fan. So I, I didn't really like, I didn't like UCLA that much, especially, because they were so dominant in basketball, uh, SC would kind of get them back in football most of the time. But but they'd uh, but UCLA was was so dominant in, in basketball. I will say, one of the great joys of my life was meeting John Wooden on two occasions and getting a chance of spending a lot of meaningful time with him. Because Tony Luffman, uh, that name comes up again, he was uh, a basketball manager at UCLA, and so he got oh, to know okay. he got to know John Wooden very well. So so we'd go over to John's house. I mean, I didn't say house. It's a small little apartment. Is what he had, mm-hmm. and uh, and and was thing was West uh, West Covina. I mean, not 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 your ritzy, you know, LA neighborhood. And and he told some great stories. And speaking about Walton, 
Um, and then he just had a deadpan way of, 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 of telling the story. But I said, I said, I know that, you know, you and Bill had an interesting relationship. I said, what's, what's your best, the long story if you had it narrowed down to one. And he jumped on it right away. He said, well, you know, before his senior year, he had had a summer where he got very active, you know, with the peace movements and everything. So he showed up for the first day of practice, long hair, the headband and everything, you know, beard. And he said, he said, you know what? You can't force me to cut my hair. He goes, uh, he goes, you know, I have my rights and I'm, I am a free you know, citizen. I can do whatever I want. You cannot force me to cut my hair. And without, you know, missing a beat, John said, uh, you're right, Bill. He said, you're absolutely right. I cannot force you to cut your hair. Now we're going to miss you around here, but, uh, but I, I, I do, I do agree that you have the freedom to keep that hair as long as you want, and hopefully you can come around and maybe uh, come to a game as a fan or something. And he went, ah, and he just got all mad. And he had about 15 minutes to get on his bike and run down to the local barbershop and get his hair cut. And so, so uh, Coach Wood made his point, and, and uh, Bill Holm did cut his hair, as it turns out. So um, in, in his pro life, he got back that look again, but, uh, but he thought he was going to get away with it for his senior year of college and didn't quite work out that way. So... Coach Wooden, uh, Phil, and, and Bill could quote Coach Wooden all day long if, uh, if, he, if he wanted to. So, so he was a great influence on his life. But, but, uh, but Bill Walton, as as a player, I think would have been a fun guy to call every night, just based on uh, the fact that he could do so many things well. Mm-hmm. And uh, there weren't a lot of centers like him. And then obviously injuries, you know, prevented him from maybe being maybe being the best center ever if he'd been able to carry on and have a have even just a normal career, let alone a long one. Um, but uh, even through the injuries he played through. Play through a lot, but um, maybe in today's more modern, you know, NBA with a little bit more information about injuries, maybe it would have been a different story. But, uh, but I think if I had to pick one Blazer from the past that I would have loved to have called the games up, at least while he was healthy, I think I think probably Walton would be the guy. I can dig it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of choices, though. Lots of choices. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's no shortage of guys to to go from. Tara, did you have anything else you wanted to work in here? No, I think uh, I've I've asked enough. Do we have any other <laughs> listener questions? Does that take care of them? The, the, I was going to wrap with with the last one here, and that's kind of uh, we, we've talked about. We've kind of reminisced. We've gone back and forth here, but the the last question I'm going to ask you is: This is another one from from uh, Mark B. Moggy five hundred three. I'd like to know what the future holds for Wheels Talk Radio Podcast. Back in the play by play, what are you what are you looking at doing in the future, Brian? I'd like to know what the future holds too. That's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a while since I've had to kind of look for uh, look for employment. So uh, so that's uh, that's a little different in that respect. Um, and I know one thing: these play-by-play jobs in the NBA are are few and far between. And usually, when you get one, you don't want to give them up. And uh, I always thought, so long as I could talk, see, hear, write, uh, uh, that you know, I would continue to to have one. Uh, and so it's unfortunate and disappointing that, that I, that I don't uh, here in Portland anyway, but, uh, um, but, uh, I'm not, well, I'm not a spring chicken at 58. I'm not necessarily ready for, you know, for retirement yet. So I would hope there'll be another opportunity somewhere down, uh, down the line. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this whole virus thing probably will, will mean that I doubt many teams will make, uh, changes if they were going to anyway. Um, you know, off of this season because this season might stretch in the next season. And so personnel might stay the same, but, uh, um, but I, you know, I hope I, I had, I was going to have an opportunity to do a first ever for me anyway, a national radio broadcast. Uh, if the, if the season had ended, uh, if it had gone on maybe five more days, I would have yep. Blazers and Rockets here in Portland, which obviously would have been a great game to, 
to be able to do. Um, as it was described to me by the guy who does the hiring at ESPN, uh, five, he's obligated to offer assignments for their play-by-play, not just basketball, but obligated to offer five guys that are already uh, in the mix there uh, the opportunity to take a game. And so for, for a freelancer to have an opportunity, it doesn't come up necessarily all that often. Um, and uh, just so happened because that was college tournament weekend, uh, guys were either doing a game or traveling, and so it worked out perfectly to have, have the chance. Oh, so, wow. So I hope that'll come up in the future. I don't know if they'll feel like they owe me one since, you know, I was ready to do the game and obviously not through their fault, uh, but you know, it was, it was, it was a couple of days before it was going to happen. Then the uh, schedule got postponed uh, for everybody. So, um, so that was too bad. Uh, they originally thought maybe it was going to be an empty arena game. That was the first, first thing, um, which would have been fine, but, uh, but you know, got canceled altogether, obviously. So I don't know what will happen there, but I'd love to maybe have some of those opportunities, but as much as, uh, as much as I've, I've liked the thought of doing things nationally, I really do love the thought of being affiliated with a team. I think it's great to, to be with a team and to, uh, you know, travel with them and be with them every day and care about what happens to them and get to know them personally and, um, you know, care about what happens to them and so forth. And uh, so I think that would still be the best situation if that would come about. Um, so, you know, talk shows, I, I love doing talk shows. I think they have some of the same appeal as uh, play by play does and that you don't necessarily know on a given day what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you can kind of, Sometimes within the day itself, it's, uh, it might uh, you know you might change from a phone call or a subject that comes up, um, and that's like play by play where you can plan, but you don't necessarily know how the game's going to uh, unfold. Uh, but play by play is still is still the thing that gives me the most satisfaction and the most fun, and the thing I think I do best. So so I'm hoping there'll be some chances to do that uh, in the future. I I, I, I trust that there will. Uh, but uh, still working on getting uh, the health totally where I, where I want it to be. And uh, when that happens, hopefully, uh, you know, it'll be all the concentration can be uh, centered on wherever the next opportunity might, uh, might be. But, uh, but I love Oregon and, uh, and I've, I've grown to love Oregon and uh, in a day like today, it's just, uh, you know, uh, I wish we had about 300 of them, but, uh, but still nice when they come <laughs> around and, uh, and met some great people in Oregon and, uh, Certainly had a great uh, affiliation with the with Blazers and people that uh, will be my friends, hopefully, you know, for, for my lifetime. So, so I, uh, I have nothing but good things to say about, you know, 21 great years. And I hope that uh, uh, I'll be lucky to have an affiliation that is anywhere near as good uh, with wherever my next uh, stop will be. But, uh, but you know, we'll just, uh, you know, see where things take us. And, um, but in the meantime, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here and, um, you know, we'll see what we can do. And maybe I'll just have to piecemeal some things together thought about writing a book maybe on some, some of these wild experiences that I've had over the years. Uh, you know, maybe that, uh, I might have to work out some logistics about it, but, uh, but there's some pretty good stories that people seem to find amusing. So, so I could probably put that together fairly easily. So, mm-hmm. uh, so maybe, uh, maybe we can do that. So if, uh, that happens, then, uh, you know, I'll try to get a book signing somewhere in town to, to at least, uh, get on season. But I really miss seeing, seeing the people, um, you know, uh, that uh, were so much a part of, Blazer basketball and, and were always so nice to me and uh, and I couldn't have asked for uh, you know anything better in that respect so so I miss uh, that kind of camaraderie uh, that again you get in the team atmosphere and also uh, yeah. with the people that support that team and nobody supports uh, a team any better than Blazer fans do so so I was very lucky in that respect too so so hopefully uh, if I can get anything similar in the future then then I'll be a you know very lucky person. Blazer fans certainly miss you, and they are going to be so happy to hear your voice. <laughs> Dan and I don't need any competition, but you could tell some stories on a podcast. <laughs> no doubt How about long that. could I you just go about Chick Hearn? I mean, 
Dan and I could probably do a pretty good podcast. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe, I consider, maybe I want to consider that. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, you have the more technical uh, knowledge. I'll let you uh, let you look into that, Dan, and, uh, and let, let me know where I, can, I don't know where I can fit in. Maybe uh, maybe we can uh, create something like that in the future. You never know. So. <laughs> Oh. It doesn't seem like it takes much to put a podcast together these days, so, so I'm sure we could uh, at least compete with a compete with a few anyway. I so. mean, if we can do it, anybody can do exactly. it. Right? I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Uh, one thing. There's one thing not. No, doing seriously, games. if anybody, if we can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> That's the one thing that not doing games allow me to do is I, I certainly, I certainly got a lot more of a of a. Um, of a taste of uh, Blazers Outsiders than I would have had if I was doing it. So sometimes I'm sorry, okay? Me too. I had to catch the replay when I was uh, doing games, so now I can I can see it when it's so fresh. Oh. And, uh, you've been I can see that, so which, is, which has been nice uh, uh, to see Dan and Joe go at it, uh, go at it every night. It was it was a fun, a fun, um, a fun show because I didn't. I would watch a game and I'm thinking, how are these guys going to dissect it afterwards? And I never really knew. <laughs> It's okay. We really don't either. That take coming, you know, something. But but it was was often very enlightening. I was like, oh, I should have seen that take coming. I I I enjoyed it. It was one one you know I wanted to be working, and yet that was one good thing about about uh, maybe having that time to uh, to watch a game and uh, you know kind of do it as a fan and and see the entire broadcast that uh, culminated with Blazers Outsiders. So that was that was always nice. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Wheels. Um, is there anything else that you, you want to plug or, or put in here? Anything you got coming up you want to talk about or anything you got going? No, again, uh, you know, if, if the book idea uh, materializes, I think that'd be something that, you know, we can talk about. You can put me down for a pre-order, okay? okay. Uh, no, no, we, get, Wheels of Stories get, from the Road is, is I get some already. free copies. I get some free copies. You get okay. I, I can do that. So, so that'd be my biggest problem is I'll be giving away so many <laughs> publishers. So you gotta, you gotta sell somebody sometime. And uh, yeah, but I got this guy's a good friend. I gotta, you know, and yeah, everybody's a good friend, you know? So that's a, I always wanted to run a sports bar and I was talking to a friend who might do it, you know, was going to maybe do it with me. He said, yeah, but we'd have to have somebody at the front door that would be controlling you buying free drinks for everybody. <laughs> and everybody comes to the door. He'd be like, Hey, you know, I met you 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah here's a free drink. You know, so I didn't want to, I want to just, you know, toast the house all the time. So, so I, and you're probably right. I probably would have to have somebody watching over my, my desire to make everybody happy. But, uh, but maybe that'll be something down the road. And there's a lot of sports bars around. So I don't know if that's the best place for, to enter for competition's sake. But, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm open to ideas. So if somebody thinks I can contribute to, you know, to something that they've got going, I'd be happy to consider that as well. But, uh, in the meantime, I just have to get creative and, uh, you know, try to find some things that'll be, uh, my next opportunity. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully they have those come along, you know, sooner rather than later. But for the time being, everything's uh, everything's going well, and uh, we'll just keep working on the health things, and then I think everything else will fall into place. Awesome, Tara, you want to go ahead and uh, take us out of here? I'll wrap us up. You bet. Well, uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure uh, to hear your stories and hear Absolutely. your voice again. Um, you can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. Brian, what's your Twitter handle? Are you Brian? We, I should know at this. At Blazer Wheels. At Blazer, at Blazer Wheels. Wheels. Thank you. Yes, we we need to see you lots on there, especially it would be super fun to see you during all these uh, games that they're rerunning with your memories of some of the things that have happened. Oh, during. that's true too. That might be that might be a good uh, yeah. When it gets going, the live one, tweeting gang. What I like what I like about watching some of them is I I, I I look down and I say, oh, those are the days when we used to be courtside. I can I can see see, uh, <laughs> see rice and rice and me behind the you know behind the scores table and. Dunleavy in front of us, and I'd be like, oh, those are the old days when we used to 
be close to the action, but uh, the good seats, not, not, not so much anymore. But uh, <laughs> but hey, that's the way, that's the way of life. You get to, to test your your eyesight and your knowledge. Uh, if you're a little bit further away, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I hope some arenas we don't go much higher because there's a few that were pretty high right now. And they're moving TV off of the court in some arenas, so I'm a little nervous about for the TV folks who's not necessarily used to that. So, uh, but blame it on Mark Cuban. He's the one who who's the one who suggested it to the league, and and there's a lot of teams <laughs> that are like, oh, we can make money selling those tickets, and uh, so unfortunately people found that out, and uh, and uh, and and the radio crews have suffered. But uh, but uh, but yeah, so so that's usually the first memory I get from watching those some of those games like that oh that was a different vantage point than than I, i've had the last few seasons anyway <laughs> that just brings up a whole nother you know line of questioning that i'm not going to get into right now but next time i want to know about some of the people that you sat next to while you called those games and who oh, and, your, and, and, <laughs> who those, were your uh, partners who sat next to you <laughs> yes yes we could do we could do uh we could do a whole chapter of a book on mike rice that's for sure <laughs> and i yes. have some stories that he's but he said he said he has no problem with me telling, and uh, and and some of the players back in the in the mm-hmm. Dunleavy days were a little bit interesting too. So I got some stories about uh, we could do a whole chapter on J.R. Ryder, in fact. And I was only with him for one year, so imagine guys <laughs> that knew him longer than that. So, uh, uh, so yes, it's um, and and one day we'll talk about the uh, the the oddest request made of me by an NBA player. That, that that's uh, that's not a tease. I don't know what it is. But, that, that that's a chapter of a book by itself. Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell that one next. I mean, I'm happy to come back on with you anytime you guys want. We'll, we'll talk about more. We'll talk about more book-related uh, stuff that uh, that that maybe uh, people would at least find enlightening, if not if not interesting. Hopefully, you both. can come and workshop it on here. Absolutely, you, you, we there you work, go. We'll, we'll work through all the kinks here. Great idea. Great idea. <laughs> That's I'm, just happy I made, I'm just happy I made the whole thing without any technical glitches. So, so it's a uh, for somebody who's uh, got a hard enough time, you know, turning the phone on properly. This was a uh, this was an accomplishment. Uh, in, you know. And at least in that respect for me. So I'm happy that, uh, that I didn't, uh, didn't come up with anything that, that messed up the podcast in that respect. You're doing, you're doing great. Learning. <laughs> Dan, why don't you take us out of here? All right. Thanks again, Brian wheels for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, for Brian, for Tara, uh, we'll catch you guys next week. You can find me on social media at Danny Morang at D A N N Y M A R A N G. As always, my DMS are always open. If questions, comments, concerns, Things you want to know about Brian's book, I'll make sure they get to him. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. We'll catch you guys next week. Stay safe, stay with your families, and I'll talk to you then. Bye. <laughs>